Hello, everyone, and welcome to Crib Wolf Talks. My name is Lino Ferra, co-founder of Crib Wolf Foundation and the host of today's podcast. I'm pleased to have with me today my good friend, Matt George. Matt is also a co-founder of Crib Wolf Foundation and a very successful businessman and a true entrepreneur. Thanks, Lino. Pleasure to be here. Great having you here. Matt, I'm extremely excited about today's first of a series of podcasts that Crib Wolf Foundation will post monthly focusing on topics related to the care of individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities. From this point onwards, when I refer to individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities, I will effectively use the term individuals with IDD. Let me explain further the acronym IDD for those of you that may be hearing this term for the first time. Generally, this term is used widely by many in the healthcare and social services sector. Intellectual and developmental disabilities, IDDs, are disorders that are usually present at birth and that negatively affect the course of the individual's physical, intellectual, and or emotional development. Okay, a few years ago we established Cribble Foundation, a nonprofit organization to address the current lack of safe, inclusive, supportive housing options for individuals with IDD, which may be the overarching concern for many caregivers. I'm also very pleased to announce that the Board of Directors of Kripal Foundation welcomes Mr. Sunil Balakrishnan as a new member to our board. Sunil is an accomplished individual who brings to the Foundation an added dimension. I also want to acknowledge the important role of our volunteer members of the Advisory Committee who rely on for their ex- expertise, continual support, knowledge, and enthusiasm. Yes, uh, we have a great team for sure. We've been busy in the Halton area holding annual fundraising golf tournaments, um, meeting with parents, caring for individuals with IDD, capturing their stories and concerns, uh, attending regional housing conferences and seminars. Uh, We're also constantly improving our self-funded website uh, with uh, new innovative ideas and establishing new ways to reach out to our communities, which we will share throughout our podcast. Yes, Matt, we've done quite a bit over the last five years recognizing that in 2020, the COVID-19 pandemic pretty much shut down the entire year and still a major concern in 2021. Now, as to the housing crisis, we both know how much supportive housing weighs on the minds of many parents of individuals with IDD. Parents caring for individuals with IDD are still faced with a significant lack of housing options in Canada, regardless of what community they reside in. What is not widely publicized is that there exist these incredibly long and still growing waiting lists for supportive housing throughout Canada. For example, in Ontario, Canada, for any existing community-run group housing, this list is managed by a government-funded organization, Developmental Services Ontario, DSO, and is currently estimated to have around 40,000 names waiting for housing. In our local region of Halton, Ontario, The number on the hatch list appears to be around 14,000 names. So clearly not the best route to take considering the limited inventory homes available in the marketplace plus the expensive and rising cost of real estate uh, and numerous other logistical challenges associated with finding live-in and part-time support workers. 
Uh, one might ask what's going on now. Uh, well, community agencies who have either purchased or leased assets or properties over the years have stopped adding to their inventory of homes. Uh, it's quite evident from the decreased funding by the federal and provincial governments that the smaller group home housing model is no longer capable of dealing with the growing demand of supportive housing. So if you stop and think about how the current system has worked over the years, it's easy to understand this change in government ideology. The most obvious reason is, of course, that the group home model simply does not reduce the size of the current waiting list fast enough. It's just too large. Absolutely, Matt. I'm certain that the historical smaller group home model has worked nicely over the years, and I'm thrilled to hear that. The reality is we need to consider moving to a larger concept that will address the needs and demands of many individuals, that being a safe and inclusive community with appropriate supports on a much bigger scale. It seems clear that a larger multi-unit housing model with some sort of mixed tenancy and perhaps a few units at market rent is the most logical housing solution and what Cribble Foundation supports. We do have some promising news to our listeners. We are starting to see activity by a few forward-thinking nonprofit housing organizations committed to establishing their version of a multi-unit residential facility with appropriate supports in place. In fact, some of these groups have either obtained donated land or purchased their land or property, they have procured the necessary construction financing, have addressed the proper zoning, and partnered with various community agencies for needed supports as applicable. In the end, these organizations provide a home where a number of adults with IDD can transition from their primary caregiver to their independence in a safe, inclusive, and supportive community environment. Yeah, this is, of course, uh, evident by some of the projects undertaken by our fellow members of the ICC, the Intentional Community Consortium. Personally, I really enjoyed it when the Kribov team got a tour of the facility in Thornhill, uh, northeast of Toronto in Ontario, Canada, uh, constructed by RENA. It was pretty impressive. Uh, RENA has over 60 apartment units, uh, single and double apartments. Uh, everyone lives there as a tenant. Uh, it is a typical apartment building style with a few extra supports in place. Uh, but what Arena does really well is the involvement with various support services as needed from the community agencies working in tandem with the residents with many programs in place to ensure an inclusive and safe environment. Yes, Rena has done some wonderful things with its housing model. Real nice setup. We were also impressed with what Rena has accomplished. And for the record, we have invited as a guest in an upcoming podcast, Mr. Brian Keshin, President and CEO of Rena. I know you'll find my friend's work very interesting, and I look forward to discussing their successes with their multi-unit community model. The work by RENA, although inspiring, are far too few in numbers and do not provide relief for the many parents currently entering their senior years without any concrete succession plans and still waiting for supportive housing options to meet their needs. I share this concern. I am a parent of a wonderful young man with IDD, for the record, my son has been on this dreaded waiting list for over 15 years. Yes, although he is my best friend, I am aging. No way to stop that process. And yes, I do wish for a seamless transition to a place my son would also call home. Currently, the only way a person appears to get removed from a housing list is if a case is deemed a crisis. For example, the death of a family member, caregiver. Bottom line, we need to move faster and build more large-scale multi-unit residential housing options throughout Canada. Right on point, Lino. 
Providing a multitude of housing options to parents caring for individuals with IDD requires a great deal of government and public support uh, in the form of collaboration, uh, forward-thinking individuals to pursue changes to existing municipal bylaws and government funding and legislation. Uh, we have to form new partnerships with existing community agencies and uh, get more involvement by landowners and developers, and most importantly, capital contributions towards land acquisition. Yes, these are all building blocks that must all work in harmony for new housing options to happen. There are no shortcuts. And for the last year and a half, parents caring for individuals with IDD must also deal with this global pandemic. No argument there. This pandemic is a devastating virus that has been affecting all of us for over a year now. Personally, as a parent of a young man with IDD, I believe that for most of our lives, we have been in a COVID-like state. From the moment your child is diagnosed, you begin to realize there will be challenges associated with caring for an individual with IDD, and your life will change. Is it also true that one accepts these challenges? However, there are many. As parents, we struggle to manage careers, cope with the medical and life adjustments associated with a child's disabilities, struggle to find proper supports and day programs, and for many, paying for additional supports or obtaining available funding based on their family income level can be quite stressful. As a parent, like many others, I am certain we never lose sight of the ultimate need to transition our child to life in a caring, supportive housing environment. So, with the added pressure, COVID-19 has made life even harder for individuals with IDD and for their caregivers, obviously. Definitely. There are increased mental health concerns, anxiety over 24-7 isolation, boredom, confusion, etc. An individual with IDD may not see the pandemic protocols the same way others might. They only recognize the fact that their routine has changed and their movements has become even more restrictive. I'm certain that many feel very frustrated over the last year or so due to significant setbacks and increased isolation. It's also quite possible that the individuals with IDD are not able to verbalize their frustration the same way we show our frustration. Absolutely, and I know isolation is a common issue with people with IDD, even prior to the pandemic, uh, due to the lack of permanent employment opportunities and further accentuated with the closure of nonprofit community agencies that provided a few hours of activity uh, to those special needs individuals. Yes, a parent caring for their adult with IDD that previously was fortunate enough to have placement in a nonprofit day program or perhaps a permanent or part time employment is now faced with closures. Now the need to provide 24-7 care in their domicile while undertaking remotely the responsibility of their own job-related tasks creates a host of new problems and even more stress. Mm, so basically, the general population quickly learned that living with the COVID-19 pandemic means required isolation, paying attention to protocols, uh, business closures, loss of work can be a possibility, diminished interaction with family, friends, co-workers. But individuals with IDD have always experienced these hardships. Exactly. Also, COVID-19 is not going away. Many experts have stated that as life as we lived it will need to change. With this in mind, Parents caring for individuals with IDD should treat the importance of succession planning with greater urgency. By this I mean the transition of our loved one to a caring, safe, and inclusive supportive residential community is more and more important as we, the parents, approach retirement age and things start to get a bit uncertain. 
Of course, uh, individuals with IDD are entitled to be happy, feel safe, have their independence, uh, be part of the community of their choice, and be employed or active in the workplace in an accepted role. Yes, it is so incredibly important to construct more multi-unit inclusive residential housing options. Look, if we were to remove names from the ever-growing housing waiting list, it's something that we need to accomplish now, not in the future. Caregivers do not live forever, and believe me, there are many of us. I agree. Uh, one of the ways the Kerbal Foundation is helping to get the process moving are with these podcasts. Um, another is with our community portal at kerbalf.com. Anyone can create an account for free and gain access to resources, latest news, upcoming events, and information about other organizations that are working towards housing solutions. Uh, we also have a store with some fun clothing and accessories that will help support our foundation. Matt, you and your team have done a great job with our limited funds as you continue to improve our new portal, Cribbles.com. Hope that all of our listeners will go there and register. Before we close our podcast, I want to ensure our listeners at Cribble Foundation and its team of volunteers are committed to pursuing our goals and to facilitate action. However, we will need your financial support. All contributions are sincerely appreciated and will help us continue our mission of building our organization, our web platform, strengthening our infrastructure, and the cost associated with applying and obtaining our much-needed charitable status. We will continue to work with all like-minded nonprofit organizations, community agencies, and all levels of government with the most important goal in mind, that of establishing more supportive housing options for parents caring for individuals with IDD. Thank you to all those individuals and companies that have stepped up with their support for our podcast production, specifically Ken Kofed, Steve Marsh, and our advisory committee and directors. I look forward to our next podcast, which will be posted in June. In an upcoming podcast, we will be inviting parents caring for individuals with IDD. I'm certain you'll find their stories very inspiring. There will be lots to talk about. All past and future episodes of Cribwolf Talks will be posted on both of our websites, cribwolf-foundation.com and cribwolf.com. If you have a comment or want to share your story, or you'd like to be a guest on our podcast, feel free to write to info at Thank you very much for listening to our first Cribble of Talks. Stay safe, everyone. Mm-hmm.